Hi, and welcome to Edelman Editions. In today's episode, Ruth Warder, co-CEO of Edelman UK, meets with photographers and creators Ron Timmerhin and Miss Anne Harriman to talk about their new film, Fortitude, a film Ron was inspired to make following the Black Lives Matter movement last summer. The three sit down to discuss the inspiration for the film, how it was made, and the topic of race more broadly in the UK today. Ruth, over to you. We are so lucky to be joined today by Ron Timmerhan and Miss Anne Harriman, who are going to talk to us a little bit about their groundbreaking film, Fortitude. Um, But before we get into the conversation um, about this incredibly powerful work, and I had the opportunity to watch a cut down version this morning, and it it is amazing. I'm just going to take a few moments to introduce both Ron and Miss Anne. But as I was just saying to them a second ago, they are such um they've got such high achievers it's actually going to take me more than a few minutes so just bear with me while I while I talk about them so Ron is a professional photographer specializing in cityscape and portrait photography his first book London Fog was featured as one of the Times photography books of the year in 2019 and has been sold around the globe and I and I have to say I purchased a copy over the weekend and it's amazing if you're into London scapes and London photography you should get one because it shows London in, in a different light it's fantastic um Ron's also uh, been in British Vogue, GQ, The Evening Standard, High Sobriety, amongst others. And he's regularly commissioned for brands like Apple, Adidas, Adobe, Nike, Prada, Sony and Google. The list goes on. Um, He's also been working for us, which I was so pleased about, for a number of years on a number of different brands um, across the brand portfolio, most recently Microsoft. So we're very lucky to have Ron as a trusted partner of Edelman too. Um, And he's also co-founder of Audax Agency, which has been set up to deliver societal contribution as well as uh, commercial work and commercial um, commercial photography. And only running for one year, he's already raised around 250,000 for, for charity partners. So um, I feel like Ron must have had an incredibly busy year. He's slightly making me feel intimidated by how much he's achieving. Um, so, so Fortitude was Ron's idea, and he was driven to make the film following the death of George Floyd and the subsequent London BLM movement last summer. Him and his friend Matt Randall, director at Treehouse Films, joined forces in an effort to give a voice to the untold experiences within the black community. So that's Ron, and it's really fantastic to have you um, uh, with us. So on to Miss Anne. Um, Miss Anne, um, you'll have probably known and heard of as the first black person in the 104-year history of British Vogue to shoot the cover of its prestigious September issue. Um, His unique eye and reported style of photography caught the attention of editors around the world when he also documented the Black Lives Matter movement in London. Also known for shooting behind the scenes, um, Miss Anne's done major award shows, festivals and film sets, and he's photographed some of the world's biggest stars and is the photographer behind the Duke and Duchess's most recent pregnancy image, a photo seen by, I'm going to say millions, but I assume it's probably more like trillions around the globe. And his striking images have appeared in Vanity Fair, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, People and The Telegraph. Um, Miss Anne's also founder of What We See, which is a media company whose mission is to surface and amplify uplifting and inspirational stories in a curated stream and the best output from diverse voices artists archive and brands to raise the tone of cultural conversation I think you call it cultural nutrition which I I thought was an amazing um amazing soundbite so we're really pleased that you're able to join us as well Fortitude is an interview-led film about black Londoners featuring conversations that explore in detail exactly how race has impacted and affected their lives and, and actually not just impacted but impacts in you know 
know, the day to day. It's an unflinching look at how insidious racism can be and how it can inflict itself upon every single aspect of a person's life. Um, the documentary features a large cast, including musicians and well-known names from media and industry, but also shines a light on those whose voices are, tend to be heard less often. Um, I really want to say that the film was made with no funding and just goodwill, and all proceeds that it makes will be given to charity, and in particular, the Black Curriculum, whose mission is to address the lack of Black British history in the UK school system. So I want to start by asking you both to express your motivations for making this film and, and, and how it came to exist. Um, Ron, I'll come to you first. So um, Fortitude was really, the inception was quite organic. Um, I attended a couple of the protests uh, after George Floyd's murder, um, along with my friend Matt Randall, who runs Treehouse Films. And um, it was just such a powerful thing to be at and something so powerful to see and see how many people from different races, different ages, um, were all fighting for the same cause. And I just, I was adamant that this conversation needed to continue. I didn't want it just to be a fleeting moment that was forgotten. Uh, and so that's how Fortitude came around. It was just then and there in the protest that Matt and I decided, let's film a documentary um, around people that we know who we think are talented, uh, people of colour, and let's hear their stories. And it was as simple as that. And Miss Anne, how did you become involved? You know, last summer, after the <clears throat> the murder of George Floyd, like many people that look like me, I was deflated, to say the least, and um, did what I felt I could do, which was to to use the tools of my, my chosen craft, which is storytelling. Um, in the process of what's happened to me individually, I've been able to get to a place where um, I've had the privilege of meeting people like Ron Tomehin. And just so you know, I called Ron up the moment I got the gig from British Vogue. And Ron rode with me on the train to Manchester to Marcus Rashford's home to make history with me. So he's very much part of that story as well. So when Ron called me up to say, listen, I make, I, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to go, but I need to do this. I need to tell this story of the people that I know and care about that, as, as you saw in the trailer, are the walking wounded. You know, uh, we're very different to America where some of the, the pains, some of the ills of the construct of, of race in this country are not so visceral. You know, they're not policemen killing black men every day. But the death by a thousand cuts that is being black in Britain is something that Ron has certainly lived through and most of um, our friends have lived through. And, he, and, and in the moment where collectively the traumas that we didn't even realize we had just climbed out of us to have that phone call from Ron saying, it's time to talk. I mean, it was it was more than um, um, a, a serendipitous moment for me, and um, I felt duty bound to be part of Ron's art. And 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 Ron, Miss Miss just sort of described participating as the is the collective traumas climbing out. I think when you when you watch the film, what what's what you know the the interviews are kind of extraordinary. Did you have a plan or a narrative or a story in mind when you began making the film, or you know? 
talk talk to us a little bit about how you you plan to capture the to capture that yeah so we wanted it again to be as organic as possible so we didn't have a script or a narrative that we wanted to convey we just wanted people to talk um we just wanted to listen and just to hear the experiences that people of color had been through because everyone although there are similarities it affects people very differently as well and so the result of fortitude is listening to all of these stories and all of this pain um and then finding commonalities between all of those stories um so yeah it was it was a very emotional period because again a lot of the people who was uh, speaking on camera hadn't ever spoken out about this publicly before some of them hadn't even told the stories before or their experiences before and so i mean a lot of people when they started the interview they would say oh i don't really know what to say but by the end of it it was just incredible to see how much they'd grown through that process of just speaking how they feel and learning about themselves yeah i have to say that really struck me the reflections really struck me when i was i was watching it and and also the sort of diversity of the characters and their experiences both generational but also professional right so how did you find the characters and and, and decide who to who to bring into the project so yeah we came together as a team so aldox the agency and matchy house films and we just put our heads together and said hey which people of color um inspire you and who motivates you and impresses you on a daily basis so of course miss ann was up on there my list like top of my list um and we began reaching out to people seeing if they would want to speak um there were some people that didn't want to speak and that's absolutely fine because it's a very difficult thing to talk about um in general but let alone publicly uh and so we began triaging putting the list together and working out who who we could have on this uh on this amazing film um and yeah i'm very happy because we we've got a very eclectic mix of people we've got doctors we've got some of the cast from the lion king um we've got a uh, model and activist sabrina elba photographers like miss ann uh so we do really get a, a wide range uh of different people in different professions but also ages and um genders as well so on the last point about the the, the different people your your mum found her way into the film talk, talk to us about that and i really want to hear you know were any of her reflections surprising to you yeah so my mum is uh, in the documentary again people that inspire me my mum is one of them like i'm not ashamed to say it she's my hero um her work ethic is incredible and she's uh, a consultant at st george's hospital uh, working in the ent ward and so i wanted to hear her experiences not only um in day-to-day lives because she tries to shelter me she has tried to shelter me growing up um but also i wanted to hear her experiences in the professional workplace so within the nhs because um i know she's faced difficulties um within the nhs with racism as well and so yeah that interview was really difficult like no one ever wants to see them their mum in pain and um it was it was it was very very hard i think there was a moment where i had to leave the room because she was close to tears because she was telling stories um about her kids so myself and my younger brother and i remember these stories vividly i remember when they were happening but because she was trying to shelter me uh, i didn't realize at the time that it was due to race that's why we were being treated that way um so yeah there were a lot of revelations that happened from that but um ultimately i'm really proud of her for speaking out because she doesn't normally do stuff like that 
I have to say, I found um, one of her comments probably the most sort of difficult to hear about, you know, working in the NHS, you just want to help people. But but because because she was black, there was a ceiling to how much she was allowed to help. And that just felt that felt so I found that quite harrowing. Um, so, so I want to just talk about the pace of the film a little bit. So it's got a really gentle pace to it. And at times that feels like it's in total contrast with the with the experiences, the sort of painful experiences that the characters are sharing. Was this the intention to disarm the viewer or was just as the natural outcome of this kind of brilliant, beautifully and brilliantly simple kind of asking questions process? And that's just how it how it sort of unfurled. I mean, I would like to say that it was intentional, but no, it was just how how it happened. Um, that was the pace of how people began opening up. I think, uh, yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's really effective, and I guess that brings me on to a, a question I want to ask about your craft. So, specifically, videography and photography. You know, what's the role that these crafts play? Important moments of huge societal change. And and, and Miss, I'd lo- I'd love to hear from you on this first. Okay, the importance of photographers and filmmakers in this moment. It's, um, you know, I, I stand on the shoulders of, of the civil rights images that shook me to a core. You know, the image of Coretta Scott King, which was taken by a, a black photographer called Manita Sleet Jr. He was the first black photographer to win the Pulitzer Prize for photography. And the image I'm talking about is the image of her at her husband's funeral, somehow looking graceful, somehow keeping it together with her baby girl, her daughter Bernice in her lap. And I remember being in in school in the middle of the English countryside and seeing this image of this woman and realizing that photography is a lot more than birthday cakes and and family holidays. I realized it's a way to break through the defense mechanisms of anyone that gazes upon an image. And that's the same thing as documentary filmmaking because you listen and you watch and you read these things in your own voice, which makes a huge, huge difference. It doesn't feel challenging when you're sitting down uh, and, and receiving this art. And it's the best way to, to unlock the holy grail of what we need to do as homo sapiens, and that's empathy, you know? Empathy is, is a mother of hope, and hope is change. So us storytellers that, you know, kind of you know, have these seemingly inanimate objects um, have a responsibility with the stories that we tell in a way that I think um, hasn't been availed to us before because of the advent of the internet and how quickly you can scale your story without having to beg any gatekeeper. So it's truly, truly a unique time where somebody like Ron, with no financing, right, can just go ahead and make something that's world-class that will now be seen by millions of people. And he isn't selling a product. He isn't promoting himself. He is trying to be there for the generations of people like his mother and his mother's mother, um, who maybe didn't have the same opportunity to, to, to do something about the pain that they've had to live through. So that's how important it is for me to be a storyteller. It is so much more than being influential online or how many likes or how many views one gets. Is the ability to find a way to understand the ills of the past so we can recognize what we can do in the present so the future hopefully can be 
better for us all. Wow. And um, such, a, such a poignant response, Miss Allen. Ron, I'd, I'd love to hear from you on this. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, <laughs> Miss Anne. <laughs> but um, I mean, simply look, I, photography for me is a way of processing information, interpreting information. Um, and then artistically, I can then add my own sort of visual signature to it. But ultimately, it's that processing information and understanding. That's how I, I'm a visual person. That's how I understand. Um, and so for me to get these people's voices heard, that was the best way I knew how. And yeah, that's that's just the path I wanted to take. I found that even at the protests, uh, again, very emotional scenes. The only thing I knew how to do was to pick up my camera and document what I was seeing. And that would be the story that would be told. Uh, I find it a lot easier doing that than speaking and trying to get people to listen. People often just wanna see either visual evidence or just see something that's beautifully led. And so that's, yeah, I th I think particularly in the um, documenting the you know happenings and and these sort of big societal moments, I think people are really looking for the truth, aren't they? And there's nothing that feels like it captures the truth more than more than a photograph. Um, so you know, I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear I'd love to hear um, what the experience was like the crew on, on on making the film. We talked we talked quite a lot about the characters, but I'd love to hear any reflections you have on the experience that the crew had of being involved. Sure. So I remember. At least one person cried every day of filming. Yeah, incredibly intense stuff. But it was probably my favourite crew I've ever worked with, just because we had such a shared bond on this on this project. And we were going all across London, especially in the time, it was during the pandemic as well. So obviously there were a lot of precautions that had to be taken. But um, honestly, I felt so honoured just to be part of that team. Um, incredibly professional, incredibly well um incredibly talented at what they do. And so, yeah, it was definitely an intense uh, few weeks of filming, but everybody felt like they had learned something after. And that's ultimately what we want to do with the rest of the world. Uh, it's just to share information. I mean, I know even um, personally in my family, I've got a very mixed family. So um, I'm Irish, Scottish, Nigerian and Sierra Leonean, right? So uh, a lot of my family are white British. A lot of a lot of them are black Africans, and I I was astounded at how little empathy and also understanding the kind of what Irish side had of my family when we've grown up with each other for decades. So it was it was very very strange, and I did I realized it wasn't anything insidious or intentionally harmful. It was just a lack of understanding um, and a lack of education. And so this is why fortitude was really important for me. I wanted to make sure that even my white friends who were scared to ask questions, they didn't know how to ask these questions, um, had a better understanding and education um, around race so that moving forward, um, we can make some progress as a society. I definitely think from from the, the small, the small um, I think, few minutes that I've managed to watch that the, the promoting of understanding, I think it's such an excellent vehicle for that because it gives the first experiences, but also actually quite situational examples and the impact those situational examples actually have had on people's overall perspective. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the end about, you know, where people can see it, but I would encourage, you know, everyone to watch it because it's just, it's just a perspective. I just don't think you get to get the opportunity or quite frankly, the privilege to to hear that often um so miss and i'm going to come come to you now the, the goal of the film is to you know we've just talked about you know to drive the audience to better understand the ramifications of of racism 
on, on, on the characters and you know, the wider communities um, featured and to promote dialogue, right? Do you feel, like, what do you feel the main barriers to these dialogues happening before? And do, do you feel like you've seen a shift in the dialogues over the past year? Or, you know, how do you feel about whether there's been any real change? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been change. I, I think, um, perversely, the, the, the COVID era that we now all live in um, uh, has allowed us to slow down and take stock on on who we are as human beings. You know, if you haven't had a deeply reflective moment in the last 16 or so months, you're probably never going to. Um, and I think that is what has shown this wave of protests and, and solidarity. You know, when I was out there and I was shooting literally for six months, uh, at the height of the the Black Lives Matter, the anti-racist um, protests that happened in London and and beyond, you know, I, I went to some university towns as well to see. And what I saw made me very proud of what a modern Britain is, you know. And it, what I saw wasn't what you necessarily see or or hear on the radio and on the news. What I saw was, firstly, a young generation that is seemingly better equipped to care than my lot and beyond i'm 43 they weaponize their ability to educate themselves collectively so they unlearn anything that was just a revisionist version of history and they look and decide what the british empire actually did good and bad and they also learn about the civil rights movement in the UK, in Africa and, and parts of um, um, the developed world and of course, North America. And so I'm meeting 16 year old, 19 year old young men and women that are like telling me things that I, I never knew. <laughs> uh, and and, and um, because they've walked a mile, if you like, in the history of the feet of, of those that suffered so much, they, they genuinely care. I'm less worried about our younger minds because they want to affect change. But what's been really interesting is that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a picture I took that says, educate your racist grandfather, which is a really interesting sign. And it's, it's been those conversations that have also happened. You know, I have seen people challenge their parents. You know how hard it is to challenge someone you love unconditionally about their worldview? And that's a real change where um, people um, have realized that maybe the privilege of the world that they were born into has made them see through a lens that isn't necessarily recognizing the pain of others. And the internet, the internet, the internet has allowed this to happen because you know, even a generation ago, even if you wanted to support the anti-racist movement, you didn't know how many people had the same view as you. So, you you know, human nature, we, we, we need our tribes. And, you know, the, the, the white men, white women from all walks of life that have realized that, you know what, there are a couple of million people out there that feel the same way about this racism thing. And they have been mobilized and this matters as much as black men and black women recognizing their pain. We need to do this dance together. And it also, also really calls out those that don't give a damn, those that don't have empathy. And our empathy is interesting. I use the word a lot because it's, 
there isn't a finite amount of empathy within you when when you're you're born right it, it it's a living thing so if you don't feed it it, it it withers away you know and 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 you can become like the former president of the united states you know um where where there was literally no empathy right so i think this moment has been a combination of a unique world event which has traumatized all of us so we've just shaken ourselves and trying to reset and ask ourselves who are we what on earth do we stand for and what actually matters in this life is you know me getting a mortgage and looking after my children doesn't mean that i can't care for the next person who who has the same right to climb up through the social construct of life as i do one of the great examples I always use to a lot of my white friends about race is my record is that I've had at least 13 black cabs, Hackney Carriage, drive past me on, on, in the daytime. It's something that any black person I know has had a similar experience, and every white person I know has never had a, a, a taxi slow down, wind the window down, take a good look at you and then screech off. And these are the little indiscretions, the little humiliations that set you apart, that make you feel othered, make yourself smaller when you go into a, a place that not many people look like you, that make you not apply for certain jobs, that make you feel scared when you're in your car that you've paid for and that there's a police van next to you. You already feel like you've committed something. So I believe this moment has, has, has um, shown us who, who is good. And if you're good, you, you're going to try and do something about it. And doing something about it doesn't mean you need to be on Parliament Square with signs picketing. You, doing something about it could be as, as simple as you on learning some of the things you were taught, as simple as you thinking of how you're going to raise your children and speaking to your family members to try and understand why the world is the way it is. And that moment has happened. And in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this confluence of events that's allowed us to have the bird's eye view on who we are. And then world events have forced us to recognize that there are issues with race that have not been dealt with by both people that are being oppressed and people that maybe do not realize that they have been doing the oppression by their mere privilege of the lottery of life of their existence. I sound like I'm doing a sermon, so I'll shut up. But yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> I, I, just want, I just want to pick up on, on one of the points there, because you, you talk about empathy. And I, and I think, you know, we've heard a lot about the role of media in stereotyping, in exclusion, etc. You know, as somebody who is, you know, really close to, you know, the, the editors and, you know, the, you know what, what brands are asking for, what editors are asking for. Have you seen any of that change or that empathy being reflected in a greater way in, 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 the, in the media? I would say that my life was changed by an editor-in-chief that completely understood what it is to be othered, ever learning for. The Ghanaian um, editor-in-chief of British Vogue, he is a gay man. He is um, someone, a black man. And I think so many of his life experiences um, will inevitably make him um, understand that when he got to this place of huge influence, he's going to do his best to affect change. Forget me, this man put key workers on the cover of British Vogue. He put postmen, nurses. That's just empathy for me, you know? He, he did that. And he, he, um, 
he saw some ability in me and that's all he needed to see you know he 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 opened the door into a room that i had never been in before and and guess what when i walked into that room i was like damn there's a lot of real estate here so i i i made sure my foot got in there before it closed and i'm pulling as many people up as possible you know this has to be top down from from board members shareholders and you know i i i've had talks with with the the WPP companies and, and others and and the Vodafones and Unilevers that are clients of mine. And I'm very frank with them. I'm like, how many people look like me that are on your exec team, on your board, on your board of directors that are shareholders? And the answer usually is not great. And I'm not asking you to be defensive. It's not about saying, oh, but, but. It's saying, okay, we've got work to do. You know, I, I really don't care much about the fact that you didn't do this in the past is what are you going to do now? Also, nepotism is an interesting thing as well, because it, it's very easy to to just work with who you know. The idea that I, I I was the first black man to shoot any cover for British Vogue in 105 years is something that I'm very proud of, but I'm also recognizing that I was not the first black man to hold a camera in England, right? So if you think of the previous editors of this extraordinary publication. I'm not sure whether they realized it, but they, they were probably just working with the photographers that the industry had ordained as the ones that you work with. We need leaders like Edward. We need leaders that are brave enough to give people that if merit alone, merit alone was how things should work, that they should be in that room. Ron Tomehan, for example, I am not interested in promoting this extraordinary man because he's got a dope haircut. He is so damn good at what he does. That's If he wasn't, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't have invited him to come with me to shoot the most important fashion cover in a generation. Hell no. But he deserves to be there. Frankly, the rooms that this man walks into are lucky to have him walk into that. And, and it's important that I say that as a black man, I'm not saying that you should go out there and hire any person that looks like Ron and I. I'm going out to cast your net further afield to look at merit-based talent that is diverse and for God's sake, help them know that they are cherished and they are the fabric of what will make this nation great. That's my ask. As you know, we work with, you know, a, a lot of brands and businesses and Miss Anne, you've already mentioned some of them. What do you think the role that brands can play and should be playing in tackling the issues highlighted in the film? Because I think, you know, having the conversation continue and ensure that this isn't something which, you know, starts and doesn't doesn't continue. Um, I, I would love to hear from you on, on, on what you think brands should, should be thinking about. OK, so personally... I think there is a massive value in authenticity. I know that that's something brands always want to look at, um, but you can't have an authentic campaign or an authentic project if you're not using the right people. So there's no point sending uh, like an Italian film crew to Jamaica to film something about Jamaicans. It doesn't make sense. You hire somebody in Jamaica who's from there, who has a relationship, who understands how to, um, to tell those stories best. So I think instead of just looking at somebody for the aesthetics or the look, actually dig deeper and hire the people that understand what it is to be part of that group of people. Um, and ultimately it's better for everyone because people learn, the story gets told properly and effectively. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's better for um, for that to happen. It gives people opportunities to actually show their skills more as well. 
And yeah, I've definitely seen some of the brands that I've been working with actively making an effort to um, to hire people of color or people who are of the target audience that they're trying to 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 share. And there's no shame in asking if we've got relationships, just like I've got with Edelman. I'm happy if somebody comes to me and say, hey, Ron, do you know any black filmmakers or do you know any other black photographers? I'm happy to shout and scream over the world because there are so many who have been missed, um, who are incredibly talented. And that's why um, I'm very grateful for Miss Anne because Miss Anne has done that for the likes of myself. Cornelius Walker, um, who was also at the Vogue shoes, an amazing filmmaker who um, he made a film called Black Sheep. Um, which was nominated for an Oscar, I believe. Yeah, fantastic people out here. So yeah, dig deep and keep looking. And Miss Anne, your response to this? I think brands need to be a little braver and um, to find people that will understand the nuance of different cultures, um, to not be tokenistic. And there's a lot of that going on. I'm saying no to a lot of deals at the moment because it's just BS. It's you can see it from the first email that there's no genuine interest in change. I think brands also need to recognize that if they're big multi multi multinationals, they probably have some pretty dodgy history. They need to recognize that as well, and not be afraid of recognizing that um, because that's the only way they can move forward. And um, be unapologetic about the where the world is today. Otherwise, you'd be left behind, you know? I remember seeing that extraordinary Beats by Dre um, campaign with uh, the tennis player Naomi Osaka. And I was like, this is, this is, this is amazing, you know? To, to think that an agency, or maybe they did it in-house, I don't know what, what, how they did it, were brave enough to, to and they're selling a product. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's headphones, right? But the power of the story behind it in the moment that we're living spoke to me it gave me so much it more it gave the brand equity that they're desperate to get went up a notch and um without it seeming contrived and i think you need to work with people as agencies and, and as direct clients that help you do that dance of having a voice without trying looking like you're just trying to have a voice and having a long-term plan of fostering a culture that allows everyone to have a chance to climb up within your organization. And, you know, that is black people, that is people of every, every sexual orientation, that is women, that is people with visible and invisible disabilities. You know, I'm definitely what people would call neurodiverse. And, you know, it is a time for those special voices it's it's time now, you know, for them to have the crack of the whip because the status quo, as we have seen and where the world is today, hasn't particularly worked out very well. So let's give other voices a chance and maybe new solutions will be found. And I think you need to work with people as agencies and, and as direct clients that help you do that dance of having a voice without trying, looking like you're just trying to have a voice and having a long-term plan of, of fostering a culture that allows everyone to have a chance to climb up within your organization. And, you know, that is black people, that is people of every, every sexual orientation, that is women, that is people with visible and invisible 
disabilities. You know, I'm definitely what people would call neurodiverse. And, you know, it is a time for those special voices. It's it's time now, you know, for them to have the crack of the whip because the status quo, as we have seen and where the world is today, hasn't particularly worked out very well. So let's give other voices a chance and maybe new solutions will be found. Uh, and on that, we've sort of touched on it at different points today, but I'd just, just love to hear from you both on, you know, what do you want the viewer to take away from from, from Fortitude um, when they watch it? What's your goal for what, you know, what, what imprint does it leave on the viewer and, you know, what action would you hope that it would inspire? Um, I guess I'll go. It's just to understand, basically, and to, to understand some of the nuances and the effects they can have, no matter how big or small uh, the experiences are, they have long lasting effects. And it just needs, I want people to know how much it hurts. But also, I want people to feel uplifted by the end of it, if you're a person of colour, just to understand that you're not alone, that there are a lot of people going through the same thing, that you've got strength here, and you've got support. Yeah, just a a very deeper level of understanding. Uh, One of my friends who's actually in the the film, uh, William Adoisi, he runs a watch brand, which is endorsed by Richard Branson, but every watch he sells, buys a school uniform and books for a child in Africa so they can go to school. Incredible human being. But uh, off camera, he said something really important. And he said, being black is like being left-handed. It's like you'll never understand the nuance of being left-handed unless you're left-handed. So everything from opening doors or to using scissors, you won't understand the nuance behind that unless you have been left-handed. So it's just making people realize and understand that there are those difficulties that have been faced by black people and how it's made them feel. And and for you, Miss Anne? What, what do I want people to take from Fortitude? I think it's to, to recognise that um, uh, there are stories to be heard um, that have always been there, but you maybe didn't know where you should go to listen. And there are people like Ron and I guess myself that are trying to curate the stream of content now whether personally or through the brands we work with or the agencies we work with that will allow us to listen to new stories. And that's all I ask of you really is listen to these stories because they'll do they'll do all the work. You know, the, one of the greatest things about us homo sapiens, and it's really our magic, is our ability to create art, culture, music, film, poetry. I've said this many times before, and I'll say it again. It's what sets us apart from the rest of the natural world. And you cannot defend yourself against it. You don't have to have gone to Oxbridge to have your soul pierced by song, or to, to have the very essence of what you think you want to be, be changed by the written word. And If that is the case, let these new stories seep into you and we'll see what will happen. Thank you both for for those really poignant responses. Um, We're we're super grateful for for having you sharing. Um, I'm desperate for you to tell people where they can watch Fortitude and when they can watch Fortitude. So, Ron, um, let me hand over to you to to let people know that. Okay, cool. So we are currently finalizing uh, discussions with Everyman Cinemas, who have kindly agreed to have a big premiere uh, at the end of June and then also screen it nationally in all of their cinemas, which is incredible. So more details will be revealed on cinema dates, but that will be the first place you can watch it. And then after that, it will be online, uh, YouTube, Vimeo, major platforms. There's no avoiding it, basically. (laughs) 
huge publicity campaign, I'm sure. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask one final question, which is, um, what's next? You know, what's next for both of you? We we always love to know what, what interesting, what interesting things, interesting people are doing. So what what's what next, and what projects are next for both of you? And I guess, in a way, how how has the last year um, particularly changed the way that you go about your work and and, and the projects that you you get involved in? So, Miss, um, why don't why don't I come to you first? What's next for you, and and, and how is how is everything, everything that we've endured over the last um, year or so, how has that changed how you work or your your approach to work? I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to to talk about what's happening with me because I know that it has been a tricky time for a lot of people and my life in many ways has changed. You couldn't make it up, right? Um, you know, I had my, my daughter, my second daughter, Lyra, two weeks um, into lockdown and was as anxious and stressed as anyone else about you know whether my business would survive bringing another life into this earth at that time and then the next year happened where i i've become whether i like it or not one of the more visible storytellers activists in, in the world now um and i'm so thankful it's happened to me at this stage in my life because i know i know what it means to have this platform so what's next to me is to double down on the people that I can help, on the stories that I can tell. And for me, storytelling is fluid. It's everything from the poetry that I write. I'm, I'm making a, I'm getting into filmmaking, so I will be making some films. The people that I mentor, um, whether it's within the prison system or youth clubs or cultural institutions, is to just always steady my sails and understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and, you know, yes, may I become more successful commercially, but that is definitely never going to be at the detriment of others. As I climb, I must lift. That is my primary function in the rest of my natural life. So that's what I'm going to be trying to do. Awesome. Ron, can you follow that? Um, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> um, I guess, photography speaking, uh, I've been very fortunate to shoot now for some of my favorite brands. Um, I'm 27 years old and I've done some brilliant and fun campaigns. Uh, and so now what I'd really love to do is continue shooting those campaigns, but even bigger and better, but then also give back. And that's sort of the foundation of what Aldox is. We do try and create um, compelling content for brands, but we always try and give back in some, some way or another. And so like this project Fortitude, I just love to keep telling people's voice, uh, people's stories, stories that aren't often heard and just give people a platform to, to be themselves and to share their experiences. So yeah, shoot high-end commercial stuff, but also give back. <laughs> and, and, and Ron, do you, do you feel like, and I, and I know um, some, some of our teams have, you know, the way that they've come to, you know, photography, create photography or moving image has been so disrupted over the last year. Do you, do you feel that that's, that that's disruption has been helpful for people to be a bit more open-minded about how they think about getting things done? I, I'm just thinking of an example where we had, um, the teams had to, 
had to shoot something remotely in Poland. We'd never done it before. Like none of the crews could go. It, you know, it all had to be done by the medium of, I think, teams and one or two other one or two other tech solutions. But actually, the outcome of that was, well, we'll we'll, we'll never go and, and spend X amount of money again because actually the the product was amazing. You know, and, and that that sort of opens people's minds up a bit more to different ways of doing things. Do you think you know professionally and for your craft that that the last year has made a bit had a big impact on that and therefore people's people's sort of ability to be a bit less rigid in the way that they're thinking about how things have got to get done yes definitely there's definitely had to be some um, some innovation when it comes to getting projects fulfilled sometimes not the best way obviously I, I love traveling and I love being there in person to, to kind of shoot and film and um, I would still love to get to that stage um, I can't really say too much about a project that Miss Anne and I've just done but again that was handled um, simultaneously in two different locations uh, around the world and it was tricky, but we've managed to do it. So I think brands should, um, I guess, have more confidence in the creatives and the creators that we can get the job done. And if anything, just ask. If we, if you have a query or you have any reserves about something or you're unsure that something's not going to work, then ask the creator. Um, this is what we what we do, um, and just take on our feedback. I think that's what, what I'd say. I think that's amazing advice. Ask the creator. Um, and, and I think you're, I loved your point about don't, don't be intimidated to to ask you for your next in the way that you can you, you can help to raise and lift people up as well. Um, look, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving your time. I mean, you you know you are the, the couple of the most world in demand at the moment. So I'm I'm so so grateful that you were able to spend thank you for having us thank you for thank giving you. us space yeah Thinking about the experience and i have to say um I had, as I mentioned a few times, I had the privilege of watching about 15 minutes of Fortitude and, and I came out the back of it thinking, God, I'm not actually sure if I can do this, um, do this conversation because I felt incredibly choked up, moved and, and hugely reflective about reflective about what I'd seen. And so I, I would recommend everybody. Um, it's incredibly useful, valuable um, watch. So I'd recommend everybody do so. So thank you so much to incredibly talented individuals. Thank um, you so grateful to you for your time and, and and catch up with you again soon thank you so much